morning, everybody. How you doing? You look good this morning. We got a lot of people that accepted the challenge to be in the house of God this month. Good to see you guys. The second Sunday of the year. We're so glad that you're here this morning. So welcome to the bridge. I also want to take a moment to welcome anybody that might be brand new to the church today. If you're a guest with us, we are so honored that you're here today. When you got up today and made the decision to come to the bridge, that was a decision that means a lot to us. So welcome this morning. If you have any questions about the church, you want to find out more about the church, how you can get involved and plugged in, we would love to meet you. So I personally invite you to come to the info center right after service. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. We have a great team that would love to serve you, answer your questions to the best of their ability and just tell you how you can get plugged in here at the bridge. So stop by the info center after service today. Not only that, but we have something called Connecting Point. It's happening on the first Sunday of February. If you'd like to come to that, we would love to connect with you and help you find your place here at the church. You can go to the Bridge app or our website and just click on the Connect tab. And once you get there, you can register to come to Connecting Point next month. But above all else, we are so honored that you're here and we hope that you feel good today. You enjoy your time with God's people in his house and that you connect with him as well today. So if you're a regular here at the Bridge, can we put our hands together this morning and just welcome all of our guests to church today? Awesome. Well, as you can see, we are starting our series, First Things First, today. And I am beyond excited for today. If you were here last Sunday, if you were watching online, I know a lot of people were out of town on New Year's Day, but we kind of issued this challenge, or more specifically, I issued this challenge, be in the house of God every day, or excuse me, every Sunday in January, and see what happens in your life. See what God does to, you know, grow your walk with him and your relationship with others. So we issued that challenge. So good to see so many people doing that today. And I'm excited to talk about this because, you know, this being the first month of the year, we can talk about how we can put God first in every area of our lives and see his blessing flow into every area of our lives. And that's what we're going to be talking about today and throughout the rest of the month. And I'm so, again, so excited that you are here today. I want to say a couple things really quickly. These are just reminders, things we talked about last week before we fully jump into the message today. First of all, um, one week from today, next Sunday, and really the following Monday after that, whichever way or whichever day you prefer, we're going to be stepping into a time of prayer and fasting as a church together that starts next Sunday or Monday, whichever day you prefer to start. And I just really want to encourage you, we'll be talking more about fasting next week and what that looks like and the specific kinds of prayers we're going to be praying. But I really want to encourage you just to prepare your heart to seek God and ask God, is there a way that I could fast and honor him to make a space in my life to grow closer to him so that together as a church family, we can see all of us collectively grow closer to God. And when we talk about fasting, I want to say this because it's really important. Fasting is not something we do to prove how spiritual we are to God. And it's not something that we do to twist God's arm to make him do something for us. Fasting is simply a denial of one appetite and growing of another appetite to get closer to God. So that's why we're going to be doing this. And I encourage you, that might sound a little bit scary or intimidating. You might say, wow, that sounds a little bit uncomfortable. It is. But it's an effort. It's something that we do to pursue God and draw closer to him. So we'll tell you more about that next weekend as we get closer to kicking it off and what fasting looks like. But I encourage you to prepare your hearts for that now. Not only that, but next Sunday we're going to be partaking of communion together. A lot of people want to know when the next time we'll be partaking of communion is. Next Sunday morning during both of our services at 930 and 1130. So we encourage you to be here. It's a really great way for us to kick off our week or a couple weeks of prayer and fasting. So again... Be here next Sunday for communion. And then I just have to say this after watching the promo for She Unites. 
Man, ladies, She Unites Half Day is going to be fantastic, and you don't want to miss it. You want to be here for that if you haven't bought your tickets yet. It's a great place to invite ladies that you would just love to get them into an atmosphere like this where they can hear the gospel message. There's nobody else to hear it from than Christine Kane. She's incredible. Um, she's seriously one of the most sought-after speakers in the church world today. I've probably heard Christine speak 20, 30 times in my life, and she's had a profound impact on me. And so I want to say that to say this. On Sunday, the 29th of January, she's going to be in our Sunday morning services as well. So I encourage you, hey, be in the house of God. This is a red-letter day. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be an awesome weekend. So be here that weekend, all right? But first things first. That's the series we're into today. And why first things? Why do we put God first in every area of our life? What is the scriptural reference? What is the teaching? What is the... the ordinance, if you will, for putting God first in every area of our life. I think the best place to start is to look at what Jesus had to say about putting God first in our lives. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives us a very famous verse about putting God first, but it comes in the middle of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus preaching first to his disciples, instructing them on how to live their lives and how to walk with God. But then there are other people who come and gather around and begin to hear Jesus' teachings as well. And so in Matthew 6, Jesus starts to talk about what it means to live a first things first or a kingdom first lifestyle. And that's what I want to talk about. And I want to go a little bit deeper into this passage and then go a few other directions today as well. But let's look at Matthew 6 today, starting at verse 25. This is Jesus speaking. He says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink nor for your body as to what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than the birds of the air? Verse 27, and who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, King Solomon from the Old Testament, in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. In verse 30, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And then verse 31, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. Notice these words. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And then finally, verse 33, the one that we know so well. But seek first, everybody say first. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things that you need will be added to you. Jesus is speaking here to a primarily Jewish audience who would have had some sort of understanding of Old Testament context and a lot of what he was saying. Now, we could spend all day in Matthew 6 looking at the Sermon on the Mount or specifically from this part of the teaching, but I just want to briefly touch on a couple things that I think are really, really important from what Jesus is saying here. First of all, we have to understand that Jesus is talking to us about prioritizing our lives. 
If we can keep primary things our primary focus, the secondary things of our life will begin to fall into place. And what Jesus is even more specifically saying here is, isn't it amazing how the secondary things of our lives will often overtake our primary focus and become the thing that we fix our eyes upon the most? Jesus recognizes that. And here's what's so funny about it. Jesus is saying this 2,000 years ago, and yet the same problem still exists in our lives today. Can't tell me the words of Jesus aren't still relevant to us today. Amazing how secondary things become our primary focus in life. And what Jesus is trying to get his disciples and anybody else who was listening that day to understand is that if we want the secondary things to fall into place, we have to put our focus on the primary thing, which is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not only that, but Jesus makes another very profound statement. And I had you pay attention to this because he says in verse 32, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And here's what I want to point out to you. Jesus, again, is talking to a primarily Jewish audience. And so these are Old Testament Jewish people who would have been under the Old Covenant, the the Mosaic Covenant with God. And today we are not Old Testament Jewish people. Most of us here today are New Testament Gentiles. What's interesting about that is that even though the Old Covenant was the one that Jesus was speaking to, we today live in a New Covenant with God through Jesus Christ. And what Jesus was pointing out here was not a a racial divide or an ethnic divide, if you will. What Jesus was saying is people who are not in relationship or in covenant relationship with God tend to worry about those secondary things first. But you who are in a covenant relationship with God should take the secondary things and set them aside and focus on first things first. If we want to think like kingdom people, we have to put kingdom things first. If we want kingdom blessings in our life, we have to keep kingdom things first. Let's get our eyes off of the secondary things, allowing them to become primary, and let's take the primary things and put them first. That's what Jesus is saying here. It's actually quite that simple. Now, with all that said, we're going to be talking about putting God first in every area of our life throughout the course of this month, but... How many know that we only got three or four weeks to do this? You can't really cover every area of life. So we're going to do our best to touch on some of the most important things in our lives today when it comes to putting God first in our lives. But but here's what I want to start today. I want to start today by talking about putting God first in the area of our time. Our time, our schedule, our calendar, The time of our day, the time of our weeks, our year, whatever our priorities are, how do we put God first in the midst of everything that's going on in our lives? Here's what I know about time. All of us have the same amount of time in every single day. We all have 24 hours, and each one of those 24 hours is made up of 60 minutes. And each one of those 60 minutes is made up of 60 seconds. All of us have the same amount of time in our day. The question is, what are we going to do with the time that God has given us? I can't add time. I can certainly subtract time by wasting it, but I can't add any time to what God has already given us, so I have to do my best to make the most of what God has given me. And I want to just take a minute and look at a couple of Old Testament passages that I think set this up very well from the way that God designed earth, our life, within the scope of eternity, okay? Let's look for a moment at Psalm 139. Now, this is a psalm of David, and I love this psalm very much, and many of you will be familiar with it. But look at what he says, Psalm 139, starting in verse 13. 
For you created my innermost parts. David talking to the Lord. You wove me in my mother's womb. So I will give thanks to you because I am awesomely, other translations say fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my formless substance. What's he talking about here? He's talking about God seeing the creation or the forming of us, him literally forming each one of us before our lives on this earth ever existed. And he's talking about God having an eternal perspective when it comes to our lives. And look at this in the next part of verse 16. And in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Now, I just want to say very quickly that I wish I could write that well. <laughs> That's beautiful poetry from the psalmist as he's talking about the way that God formed his life, formed his physical body, not just for time, but did it within the scope of eternity. He saw me before I had ever taken a foot or a step on, on, on my feet on this earth. God saw my very existence beforehand, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me. I take two things from that passage of Scripture that I think are important for this day. Number one, God has ordained the days of our lives. God has ordained the days of our lives. Let me tell you something today, friend. You are not here by accident. God has ordained the days of your life. So if God has ordained the days of your life, there is purpose to be found within the days that he has given you. But not only that, only God knows how many days I have on this earth. Isn't it interesting that God would leave it a mystery to us how many days we have on this earth? Kind of hits me that I would live my life in fear if I was constantly looking at the hourglass to see how much sand was left in that thing. But since God didn't tell me and God didn't tell you how many days we would have on this earth, rather than living in fear, God has asked us to live in faith, trusting that he wants to do something great with our lives. So God has ordained the days of our life, number one. But number two, since I don't know how many of them I have, I got to make the most of them. I have to value each and every day that God has given me. Let me have a mindset. Let me have a kingdom perspective that says, God, I will not waste this day. I will not waste another day. I will not let a single day go by where I don't stop and ask my life's value within your kingdom's eternal perspective. But let's look at another passage of scripture from the Psalms as well. I love this one. This is Psalm 90. This is perhaps the oldest of all the Psalms, and the reason why is because it's a prayer of Moses. This is so cool the way Psalm 90 lays this out. Look at the way that Moses speaks to the Lord in verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And he's talking about God's eternal existence. But then skip down to verse 12 and look at his observation. So teach us to number our days that we may present to you. Notice those words, that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. That's an amazing passage, an amazing prayer that Moses gives to God. Teach me, Lord, to number my days. Teach me, Father, through your word and through my relationship with you. Teach me, Father, to value every day I have so that as I grow in wisdom and as I grow in your righteousness, when I reach the end of my life, I can present to you a heart that has grown in an upward trajectory of wisdom. 
What a beautiful passage that is. Teach us to number our days. So we look at what the psalmist says, and then we look at that prayer of Moses, and we understand that God has this eternal kingdom plan, and our life fits somewhere in the middle of time. And so if we're to to learn how to number our days and place value on every single one, that sounds really good, and that sounds really nice. There's just one problem. It seems that our daily lives are consumed with busyness. Busyness is one of our greatest challenges. And sadly, our schedules tend to dictate our priorities rather than our priorities dictating our schedules. I'm going to say that one again. Sadly, our schedules dictate our priorities rather than our priorities dictating our schedules. For so many of us, our schedules seem to be a source of dread rather than a source of joy. For a lot of us, our schedules seem to be a source of dread rather than a source of joy. So how can we put the joy back in our calendars and our schedules and remove the dread? Remember now, joy isn't something that we create with human emotions. Galatians chapter 5, Paul lays this out really well, and he says that joy is something that the Spirit of God produces in us when we sow continually to the Spirit of God. Because joy is something that God creates in our lives by his spirit. So if we want the joy of the Lord in our schedules and in our calendars, we have to submit our schedules and our calendars to the Lord. Anybody else besides me just feel like busyness so easily overtakes your life? Sometimes we wake up in the morning and we, if, if for me it's my phone, I look at the calendar on my phone and I want to see the meetings, the regular things that I have ongoing throughout the week. Not only that, but that's just work. Then we look at what's going on at home. You look at social things and you look at all the other stuff of our lives and sometimes busyness just overtakes our lives to the point that our schedule is dictating things to us and it's getting our priorities all out of whack. I think God wants to realign some of our priorities so that we can put Christ first in our schedules and put Christ first in our calendars. So here's what I want to do today. How how do we put the joy back in our calendar? How do we put the joy back in our schedule? I have an acronym that I want to give you this morning that's going to serve as like the map for the rest of the service today, okay? And for all intents and purposes, really for the rest of this series. And this is the acronym. And I got to tell you, I was really hesitant to give this one to you. And the reason why is because sometimes there are things we learn when we are kids that we look back and we reflect upon them, and they just feel so childlike, cheesy. Sometimes there are things that we learn. Listen, I, I learned things when I was in Sunday school as a kid that I look back and I'm like, oh, Lord, that was just corny. Some of the way, but you know what? I still find myself looking back and saying, but it helped me to kind of remember that story from the Bible. But here's a good example, and I'm going to use this today. When I was a kid, my parents taught me an acronym for joy, J-O-Y. Maybe some of you learned this also. Joy, Jesus, others, yourself. Jesus, others, yourself. You say, Zach, I I need to put joy back in my calendar. I need to put joy back into my schedule. My priorities are all out of line. How do I bring them back into alignment and find joy in my life? Jesus, others, yourself. Yourself. Now that messed with a whole lot of people right there because immediately some of us are like, well, when do I find time for myself? And that's the world in which we live. We're going to get to that later today and even more so next week. But let's talk about this today. If we want joy in our life, the first thing, the first priority we need to set in place in our calendars and in our schedules is Jesus. Spending time with Christ must be our number one priority. 
So let's talk about the J. Let's talk about spending time with Jesus. What does it mean to put Jesus or to put God first in my life? Now, spending time with God is the easy answer, but what do I do when I'm spending time with God? Well, all throughout Scripture, what we see is that when men or women of God spent time with God, it was primarily in prayer. And one of the most amazing things about this is sometimes we can look to the Word of God, the Bible, and we can look at it as something that God is asking us to do or making us do in order for us to please Him. We look at it as like, oh man, this is just this discipline that I have to form in my life. Can I tell you something? The Old Testament and New Testament saints would have been so stoked to have the Bible that you and I have in their hands. And yet we look at it and we allow it to gather dust on the shelf because we're like, oh, I gotta get through that. I gotta read that to make God happy. I gotta make that book a priority in my life. But as we've said many times before, the Bible is the only book that reads you while you read it. And if you'll make space in your life, if you'll make a place in your life daily on the regular to put that as a priority in your life while praying, and Praying's not like just sending up these holy prayers hoping that somebody's hearing them. It's just simple conversation and connecting with God. It's talking to God. And we're not going to go too far into the nuts and bolts of all that, but that's really what spending time with God looks like. Now, busyness. How do I find time for Jesus in the busyness of what's going on in my life? I think sometimes we, first of all, have to make the decision to schedule God into my calendar. Before anything else goes in there, I'm putting God first on this calendar. But then there are times where things arise in our life and we got to drop things and just go to God. Anybody ever been there? Some of you are like, I woke up there this morning, Zach. <laughs> I got to drop some things and I got to go to God. Jesus had a lot to say about this. And I bet a lot of us know this verse that I want to, these verses I want to read to you in a moment. Let's take them and put them into better perspective. Look at Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus says, come to me. All who are weary and burdened, other translations say, you who are heavy laden or you who labor, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, so take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is comfortable, or my yoke is easy, and my burden is Light. Now, let's walk through a few key words in that passage, because if you're like me, I've heard that verse my whole life, but what does it mean to come to Jesus and find rest, especially in the middle of my busyness, in the middle of my burdens? How does he do that? I know I can go to sleep at night and get some physical and mental rest. That's something I can do, but how is Jesus going to give me rest for all of these other areas of my life? What's interesting about this is that when you see that word burden, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, or burden, in the original Greek, that word means to be tired with work, with burdens, or with grief. So it's not just physical rest you're in need of, it's spiritual rest, it's emotional rest, it's even psychological rest that we are sometimes in need of. And Jesus says, come to me because I want to provide that kind of rest to you. Bring all of those things to me. But in verse 29... Jesus says, if you come to me, you will find rest for your souls. For your souls. We've talked about this word some in the past if you've been here for a while at the bridge, but the Greek word for souls there is the word suke. It's the Greek word from which we get our English word psyche or psychological things, the root word for psychology. And really what Jesus is saying here is that I want to provide all kinds of rest to you, not just physical rest, I want to give you mental rest, emotional rest, 
and psychological rest as well. But you have to be the one to choose to bring it to me. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. I love the way Jesus speaks these words and the way that they're recorded because when I read them, I don't take it as these hard dictatorship instructions that Jesus is giving if I want to make him happy. I take it as an invitation that Jesus says, are you you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out? Are you carrying a lot here? Are you carrying a lot here? Guess what? We live in a world where if you come and you unload all of your mental, your heart, your emotional, your psychological baggage on people, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And pretty soon, the more we do that, the more people start to run away from us. But what does Jesus say? When everybody else might run away from you because you need to unload those things, you can come to me and give it to me, and I'm going to give you rest. What an amazing God we serve. Let me just say this also. Jesus cares about the details of your life. Not only does he care about the details of your life, he's experienced the things that you are experiencing now. Because he was a man who walked among us. He experienced all of the same things that we did. Burdens, the things that just sit heavy on our hearts and on our minds. The stress of work. One of the leading causes of stress is workplace stress and all the worries that come along with things that go on in the workplace. Jesus cares about the stress that you're carrying because of things going on at work, the things that are going on at home, the things that are going on in your relationships. Today we talk so much about psychological and emotional things that are happening in people's lives. We put a big, big highlighter on those in our society today. In a lot of ways that's probably a good thing, but I'll tell you what, we can't just hold on to that thing and allow it to be our excuse of why things aren't going well when Jesus is giving us an invitation to give it to him so that he can bring healing into our lives. So what am I doing with my burdens? What am I doing with my stress? What am I doing with my cares? What am I doing with my worries? Am I dumping them on somebody who's about to run away because they're getting overwhelmed? Or am I bringing it to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need rest, I need healing, and I need help. If we will bring it, he will heal it. If we will bring it, he will heal it. But here's the deal. We have to come to him. So where do you fit coming to Jesus in your calendar and in your schedule. You wanna find rest? You wanna find balance? You wanna find peace? Come to me. I don't think Jesus is saying that we can come to him and find just rest from a place of work. I think that Jesus is saying we can come to him and we can enter into work from a place of rest. How amazing would it be if before you got to work, you had already spent time with God? Before you spent time with the boss? Before you spent time with your coworkers? Before you spent time with your employees, you spent time with God. How much different would those relationships look? If before I spent time with my spouse, I spent time with God. That dating relationship that you're in, you want to see it improve, you want to see it get better. Before you spend that quality time with them, you spent quality time with God. Before I let my emotions and my anger and my short temper and my impatience dictate my conversations with my kids, I first spent time with God and I filtered all of that through my relationship with him. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. You can deal with all of the other things of life from a place of rest. Now, this, of course, brings up a few practical questions. When do I come to God? Do I have to spend time with God early in the morning? Is that the only way to do it? For all of you who have been in church as long as I have, at some point in your life, you've probably had somebody say, you ain't a real Christian unless you're getting up and reading your Bible at 5 a.m., 
When I was 19 years old, I went to a discipleship training school. It was like a ministry training school. And one of the things that was worked into our calendar, worked into our schedule, was getting up early in the morning and reading and praying. And let me tell you something. I didn't do so good. But I was also 19. I'm a lot older now. And you know what I've learned over the last 23 years since then? I'm a morning person. My wife's not. It's not an indictment on her. She'll tell you. But the point is this. The morning is usually prime time for me to give my full focus and my full attention to God. And you have to figure out what is prime time for me? What is a prime time, a prime place, a prime space? Not just an empty space, but a prime space where I can give God the best of me. Because we ask that question, when should I come to God? I think the answer to that question is not about when you come, but it's about how you come. Because if I can set aside time to come to God and give God the best of me where he has my full focus and my full attention, it's amazing what God will speak to me and what he will do in and through my life as a result. It's not about when. It's about how. And can I just debunk something really quick just for fun? In Psalm 63, there's a psalm of David. At the beginning of it, he, he makes this statement. Many of you have probably heard this. Or maybe it was taught to you. He says, early in the morning will I rise to seek you. There was even an old song that, you know, I remember singing when I was younger, early in the morning will we rise to seek thee. And it was like that was taken and put into teaching that the only way I could please God in spending time with him was to get up super early in the morning and do it. Only problem is later in the same psalm, David says, when I'm keeping the night watch, I love to be in your presence. So which one is it? It's not about early. It's not about late. It's not about in the middle. It's about what you bring to the table, giving God your best when you can give them your full attention. And I understand sometimes the challenges of life are gonna make that difficult. But if I can schedule it, if I can put it on the calendar and I can say, God, this is me and you time and nothing else is gonna have my attention, God will start to move in my life. Let me put it to you this way. It's not about when, it's about what. It's about bringing God our best. Here's the deal. God is interested in my finest firsts, not my sloppy seconds. When can he have my full attention? where I can set everything else aside and give him the very best of me. When he's got my attention, God will speak and God will move in my life. Amen? How do I pray? Same passage we were in earlier when Jesus says, kingdom first. Seek first the kingdom. In Matthew 6, Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. I've met a lot of people that when we pray the Lord's Prayer, you do it repetitively. You've memorized it and you pray it with repetition. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I don't think Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer for the sake of learning it, to memorize it, and just repeat it over and over. He gave us the Lord's Prayer because it's an insight on how we talk to God about our every day. Hallowed be your name. God, I put you first. You are holy above all else. I seek your kingdom above mine. I seek your will above mine. God, help me to forgive others because you've forgiven me. So forgive me those debts as I forgive those debtors. God, provide for me every day. Lead me away from temptation. Everything that I need, be with me today. I give you this time. I enter into your presence, and I ask that you would lead me and guide me. Can I tell you something? Prayer isn't difficult. It's incredibly simple. And Jesus gave us a roadmap in Matthew 6 on how we can do it. So the how is however is best for you. But you got to take the time. you got to make it a priority and give God your full attention. Now, in the time that we have remaining... When we look at the life of Jesus, what we see is that putting God first with my time isn't about a method, it's about a mindset. 
Jesus put God first in his time. He put his father first. And one of the ways that he would do it was often Jesus would withdraw into solitude and pray away from other people. I think one of the great keys to spending time with God and putting him first in my calendar is finding places of solitude that belong to God and nobody else. And I want to give you five quick things, really, really quickly this morning, five benefits of spending time with God and even go a step further and say in solitude if you can do that. All right? So if you want to write these down, these are awesome, helpful tips. Five things, five benefits to spending quality time with God. Number one, when we spend time with God, the Holy Spirit will prepare us for major tasks. When we spend time with God, the Holy Spirit will prepare us for major tasks. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus was baptized. The Holy Spirit descends upon him. Then the Holy Spirit leads him into the desert or the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted. During that time, he's fasting and praying in solitude. He comes through the 40 days. He overcomes temptation by Satan. And then scripture says that he emerges full of the Holy Spirit and he begins his earthly public ministry. I want to tell every person in the house today that the greatest things that God wants to do in and through your life will come as a result of solitude and time spent with him where the Holy Spirit prepares you and empowers you for what he's calling you to do. But we have to make the decision to put him first. Second benefit, when we spend time with God, God will recharge our batteries. When we spend time with God, God will recharge our batteries. Can I say that that's spiritually, mentally, emotionally, psychologically? God wants to recharge our batteries, especially when we feel drained. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus sends his 12 disciples out into ministry they've never done before. And they come back tired and weary and worn out. And what does he do? He says, let's get away, let's get away, let's separate, let's get out on our own. And by them getting away with Jesus, he spoke into their life words that would recharge and refresh and help them to better step into all that God had called them to do with their lives. Spending time with God has a way of recharging our batteries. Number three, when we spend time with God, he will help us work through grief. Now, this is a big one. Because for a lot of us, grief and loss, and hurt, and pain is something that we'll, we'll, we'll take it, and we'll compartmentalize it over here. And our confession of faith might even be that, you know, by your stripes, Jesus, I'm healed, and I know I'm going to get through this, and I know it's going to get better, but sometimes we have to do more than just put it on the shelf. We've got to take it out, open up that box, give it to Jesus, and say, let's talk about it. And if we'll spend time with God, he will help us walk through seasons of grief, pain, and loss. Maybe you're here this morning and you're dealing with some sort of pain or grief or loss in your life. You say to yourself, Zach, I, I believe with all my heart that God wants to heal me of that. I believe that he wants to lighten that load and he wants to take that burden. Yeah, but have you opened up that box, taken it out and given it to him and said, I need you to work with me on this. Because he wants to help you walk through seasons of grief. In Matthew 14, Jesus learns that his cousin, John the Baptist, has been beheaded. Scripture says the very next thing he does after he's overwhelmed with emotion is he gets away to spend time with the Father. When you feel overwhelmed with grief or loss or pain, one of the best things you can do is set everything else aside and get alone with God, give it to him. That doesn't mean there's not value in support groups. There is. It doesn't mean there's not value in therapy and counseling. There is. But I need to go to God first before I go to anybody else for their help. Because if I go to God for his help, he will bring healing into my life. What about this? Number four. When we spend time with God, he will help us make big decisions. 
I bet most of us in the room have some sort of impending decision that's huge in our life. And if we're going to make it well, we need to lean on the wisdom and understanding of God. Scripture says in Luke 6 that early in Jesus' ministry, he spent one whole night alone in prayer with the Father. The very next day, he goes and he chooses the 12 disciples who will follow him. And the church is birthed because of those 12 that Jesus chose. You and I need wisdom in our daily lives for the big decisions that we need to make. And if we want to find the wisdom of God, we have to seek God first. And we got to put him on the calendar and take time to do it. And then finally, the fifth benefit, number five, when we spend time with God, he will strengthen us in moments of distress. He'll strengthen us in moments of distress. Luke 22 Scripture says that right before Jesus goes to the cross, he heads to the Mount of Olives with his disciples. He knows what's in front of him. The stress becomes so great that his his sweat becomes like blood. And even in that moment, he asks his disciples to watch and pray with him. He sends them away and he gets alone with God, knowing he's about to walk through the most difficult season of his life. In seasons of difficulty, Jesus wants wants us to come to him first because he will walk us through whatever we are facing if we will simply come to him. Whatever you're facing today, it's not bigger than our God. I want to say that again. Whatever you're facing today, it's not bigger than our God. If we will bring it to him, he will walk us through any decision, any situation, any difficulty that we might be facing. we got to go to Jesus first. So we said joy, Jesus first, O for others. I'm running out of time this morning, but there's a couple of passages of the scripture that help so well to understand how we put others as a priority in our schedule. Paul said of Philippians 2 that we shouldn't do anything from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than ourselves. He goes on and he says, don't merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And what he's saying here is that one of the ways that we please God with our schedule, with our priorities, and with our lives is not only seeking God first, but putting the interests of others ahead of ourselves. That sounds so totally upside down in the world in which we live today. Because for a lot of us, it's like, well, if I don't got time for me, then I ain't got time for nobody else. Not only that, you look at the life and ministry of Jesus. In Matthew 20, Jesus makes this statement to his disciples. He says in verse 26, But whoever wants to become prominent among you shall be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So here's my question. If I put God first and he becomes my primary focus then that means he's going to order all the secondary things of my life, including my relationship with others. So who are the others in my life? Our spouses, our kids, our grandkids, extended family, our friends, neighbors, coworkers, our fellow church members, our employer, our employees, our clients, and our customers. Whoever it might be that comes in and out of our life, God is calling us not just to look out for our own interests, but to lay our lives down and serve those around us the way that he served us. So if I want to put the joy back into my calendar and back into my schedule, I've got to prioritize Jesus above all else because if I put him first, he's going to sort out all the rest. Not only that, if I put him first, then he's going to see to it that I treat others the same way that he treated me by serving me, by laying his life down for me. 
the way we find joy is Jesus and then serving others the way that he served us. And we named all those others in our life. Sounds like a long list of people needing things from us. Sounds pretty draining. Jesus has come to me. Seek me first. I'll empower you to serve others the same way that I served you. Why? Because when we put first things first, he brings the secondary stuff into order in our lives. And as we run out of time today, that brings us to the why, yourself, Jesus, others, yourself. We're actually going to talk about that next week rather than today. But we get this so upside down and backwards in our society today. I'm amazed at how often I'll be scrolling through social media and see the hashtag self-care. Because if I can't care for myself, then I can't care for you. Jesus says, no, come to me. I'll care for you. I'll make sure you're good. I'll take care of your priorities. And I'll make sure that you can still serve others as well. We're going to talk more about that next week. Most specifically, we're going to talk about getting the rest that God designed us to get in our lives by honoring the Sabbath. This morning, I want to ask you right now just to think about your schedule. Think about your calendar. Think about your priorities. When you think about those three things, you've got to fit some things for yourself into your calendar. There's no doubt. But when you look at your calendar and your schedule right now, If Jesus isn't a priority in your schedule, then maybe it's time to make some adjustments. If there's no room to serve the people in your life well and from a healthy place because you haven't put Jesus first, then maybe it's time to make some adjustments in your schedule and in your calendar. Can I tell you something? Whatever's burdening you today, God wants to bring joy back into your life and back into your schedule. He wants to take the busyness and he wants to prioritize it all so that we're serving his kingdom first and accomplishing his kingdom purposes on this earth. Father, right now, I pray for every person in the house today. God, you are calling us to honor you first with everything we have in our lives. So in this moment, we give you our lives, the days of our lives, our moments, our hours, our seconds. I pray, Father, we would maximize them, that we would see the value in the time that you've given us. We would choose to put you first in all of these areas of our time and our schedule. And God, by putting you first, we trust that you will align the priorities, the secondary things of our lives. And as a result, we will be effective in the kingdom purposes that you've placed us on the earth to accomplish. I pray that you would meet people this week in their pursuit to put you first. I pray that you would meet people this week, God, as they choose to honor you by spending time with you. As they get away, as they get alone, as they give you the prime time of their day. I pray in Jesus' name that you would meet them that your presence would come, that your wisdom would come, and that your word would speak to them. And they would be led by your Holy Spirit like they never have before. I pray that your word would come alive to us as we choose to put you first during our days. And I pray, Father, that you would be pleased with our lives and how we've ordered them as a result. In Jesus' name. Finally, with heads bowed this morning, maybe you're here today and you talk about these priorities and you say, Zach, Jesus priority in my life. I don't even know God. I don't know Jesus. Maybe you've never made a decision to invite him into your life. I want to tell you today that God loves you so much he gave Jesus to come and take your place on a cross and die a death that we deserve for our sins. That's how much he loved you. That's how much he loved me. If we would choose to accept that sacrifice that Jesus made, 
we could come into relationship with God. We could experience forgiveness for all of our sins and mistakes. We could step into God's purposes for our lives and we could have peace in our hearts that we will spend eternity with him as a result of putting our faith in Christ. If you've never done that before, I'm gonna pray a prayer. I'm not even gonna ask you to repeat after me. I'm just gonna ask that you make these words your words in some way and just cry out to God. Invite him in, invite him to be close, invite him to be near and walk into a relationship with him. Jesus, we thank you that you went to the cross for us. We believe you're the son of God and we believe that your death was full payment for our sins. So today we put our hope in you and our trust in you. And from this moment forward, we will follow you into all that you have in this life and in the life that is to come. We thank you, God, for Jesus and what he means to us. We prioritize him in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a couple more things we wanna do this morning before we close, but if you made a decision to follow Christ today or even recommit your life to him, we have a gift we'd love to give you. It's called The Next Seven Days. It's a simple book, a small book that we'd love to put in your hands. It's a free gift. You can get it from one of our prayer teams that'll be right down here near the front, the front of the platform after service. Just walk up to them, let them know you made a decision to follow Christ. They'll give you that book. We don't need anything from you, but we're here to help you in any way that we can. If you need someone to pray with you, that's why our prayer teams are here. If you need to go quickly at the end of service, you can stop by the next seven days desk. It's right between the glass doors before you exit the building because we want to help you start your relationship with God. We're glad you made that decision today. Hey, can we put our hands together and welcome people into God's family this morning at the bridge? Awesome. Can we also put our hands together and thank Pastor Zach for that great message this morning? So good. I am so excited about this series. What a great way to kick off the new year, putting God first in our lives. It's so, so good. Well, in this moment, we are just going to just take this minute to talk about our giving. And you know, our giving is an opportunity to put God first. And when we put God first in our finances, it says, God, I trust you and you are first in my life. And so this morning as we give, I just want to encourage you, let's make God first in every area of life, including our finances. You know, on the chair backs, you will find envelopes. If you wish to give in person today, you will see the ways you can give on the screen digitally. And we have giving stations located on the sidewalls just before you exit the auditorium, as well as another one out in the lobby just before the entrance to our Bridge Kids area. All right. Thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. And before we conclude today, we just have a couple quick things we want to remind you about. I know you already heard about She Unites in the service today. Ladies, I want to tell you this is the biggest event for women that we will be having this entire year. It's a great way to start your new year. I am super excited and I just believe God is going to do some incredible things in our hearts and our lives. You do not want to miss this event. So if you haven't purchased your tickets already, get them online. Be sure to get them in advance. Invite the women in your world. It's going to be awesome. And if you are interested in serving and being part of 
the She Unites team. We would love that. There's so many opportunities for men and women both to serve. And on the She Unites page, you will see the link there to sign up digitally. That would be awesome. We'd love to have you on the team. And Bridge Youth, if there's any of you in the house today or parents of Bridge Youth, this Wednesday is the New Year's launch party for Bridge Youth. You don't want to miss it. Make sure your students get there by 7 p.m. It's going to be awesome. All right, have an amazing week. It's been great being in church with you today.